You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. couple of days and, and uh, sometimes pastors hearts get grieved you got to believe that you got to know that and I, I've been grieving over some things and thinking about some things and one of the things that brother uh, Ray Comfort has said over and over uh, if you've ever uh, listened to him or read his things uh, we, I know we went through a series in this last year concerning witnessing and telling people about Jesus sharing the gospel of Christ in the earth And something that he says often is he talks about false conversions. False conversions. Counterfeit Christians. I know this is not a jump up, click your heels kind of a message this morning. But I'm not a jump up, click your heels kind of a preacher. Unless I get so excited I jump up, click my heels and run the aisle. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about giving to you this morning what I believe that the Lord would have you to hear. Amen? Are you praying for me? Amen. Are you praying that God would do that to me each and every Sunday as I stand before you? Amen. I hope that you are. And then I hope that you'll receive the message in that same way. Amen. I need your prayers, and uh, we need to pray one for another. So uh, let's just pray over this word right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I have come here to gather gather with your people today to preach and speak your word. I pray, Lord God, for the understanding in our spirits, for the faith to rise up inside of each and every one of us, to grab a hold of those things that would be pertinent to us, the things that you want to touch our hearts with and our lives with today. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you give to me the freedom to speak it as you would have me to speak it. We're not here to just hear what we want to hear. We are not here to have our ears tickled, Lord. We're here to hear what we need to hear from the Spirit of the Lord. And that's what I pray this morning over this message in Jesus' name. Amen. I know a couple of years back, a few years, several years ago, really, the Lord laid something on my heart at the beginning of the year, and he he gave me a, a word for our congregation. And it was something to the effect, it's time to quit playing around and quit playing church. And it's time to get serious about the things of God and his kingdom. And if you don't do that this year, this very year, you could fall away from Christ. Now, I know that there are some people that don't believe that you can ever fall away from Christ. But I gave that as seriously as I could. And within six months, two guys in this church fell away from the Lord. And as far as I know right now, they're not serving him today. So I just hope and I pray that when I speak to you and I say that I feel like the Lord laid this on my heart specifically for us today and I try to do that each and every Sunday when I come before you 
I want you to listen to this message today and take it to heart and grab from it, get from it, whatever God would have for you. Amen? So along the lines, and, and I, believe, I believe that there are churches all over the place right now that are having worship services, and there are people who call themselves Christians who have gathered in those places, and some of them are not living right before the Lord. Do you know that? And even a congregation as small as us, that could be a possibility right here. Come on, somebody say amen or oh me or whatever. Amen. Uh, but along the lines of uh, Jeff Foxworthy's lists of you might be or you might not be, I have put together a list of my own that I call Wyman Beck. Wyman Beck. That's just a, the acronym of these letters, Y-M-N-B-A-C. You might not be a Christian. If you attend church regularly on Sundays but live like the devil the rest of the week, you might not be a Christian. If you are nice to people in their presence but talk about them in their absence, you might not be a Christian. If you are grieved when it comes to giving every time an offering basket comes around, you might not be a Christian. If your opinion is the only one that matters to you, you might not be a Christian. If you have an unteachable spirit, you might not be a Christian. If you find it difficult to praise and worship Almighty God, you might not be a Christian. So in light of these few statements, what should a Christian life look like? And the answer to that question is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and I know that many of you are familiar with that. It describes the fruit of the Spirit, and that is the title of the message today, the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles or open your gizmos to it. I think we'll have them on the screen today. But I want us to read those two scriptures within the context of other scriptures before and after them, and we will eventually get to those two scriptures and we'll focus in on those as well. But I want to make some uh, comments about what Paul says just prior to those two verses. And we're going to go to verse 16, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26, we'll be reading. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And that means to regulate one's life or to conduct oneself in compliance to the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And that means any desire for that which is forbidden. The lusts of the flesh, any desire for that which is forbidden. And we all struggle with these things as we'll see as Paul goes on as he uh, spells these things out before us, amen. 
So if we're following after the Spirit, we will not fulfill those lustful desires that rise up occasionally in our hearts to do that which is contrary to the Spirit. You can't do both of those things. You're going to do one or the other. So whatever it is that you focus your attention on, that's what your mind is going to be on. That's where your heart is going to be drawn. And the other things are not going to affect you all that much. There'll be arrows that'll be flung at you. There'll be darts that'll be thrown at you. But when, when your mind is made up to follow after the Spirit, those things cannot bring you down. Amen. Any, any sport that you think of in, the, in this day and age that has, a, that has a ball, football, basketball, baseball, even a hockey puck or, or whatever, the, the one basic foundational thing about playing that game is to keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. And so if we think of that in those terms today, what Paul is saying here, be led by the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you got your focus on the ball. You got your focus on that which you're supposed to be focused on. Amen. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you'll do that. Verse 17 says, For the flesh, and that has to do with the carnal, sensual nature of man, the animal nature with cravings which incite to sin. The Greek lexicon says the flesh denotes mere human nature. The earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And this phrase, you cannot do, does not mean that we are incapable of following after the Spirit. God would not tell us to follow after the Spirit if we were incapable of doing that. So this phrase that says that we cannot do the things that we would, it doesn't have to do with our incapability or inability uh, to follow after the Spirit, but that we cannot do both. As in Jesus' statement, you cannot serve two masters. There's no way that you can do one and the other at the same time. You're going to do one or the other, and it's you and I that have to make up our mind which of those we want to do. It's not that we cannot do it and we are incapable of doing it. In and of ourselves and on our own power and strength, you better believe it, we can't even do it. But we are not on our own strength and we are not walking and living in our own strength any longer as Christians. We're living in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 18, he says, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that, that word led that is used there in the original, it means to lead by laying hold of. We've been laid hold of by God. We have been apprehended by Christ. I belong to him. You belong to him if you are a Christian. He has apprehended us and we are in his palm and we are in his hand. And we're not under the law of sin any longer. We're under the law of his grace. And that's what we follow after. 
Verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, they are made known. They, be, they have become obvious to all of us, the works of the flesh. And then he says, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. These are all sexual sins outside of a marriage between a husband and a wife. And let me qualify husband and wife, a man and a woman. Including impure thoughts and unbridled lusts. That's what those four things have to do with. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And then in verse 20, it says idolatry. He's saying these are manifest. These are made known to all of us. We know what these sins are. Idolatry, the worship of false gods, including creating a god of your own, in your own mind and of your own liking. You know how we do that? You know, we, we think of idol worship and we think, oh, we're clear of that. We, we don't, that doesn't affect us at all because I don't have a marble statue at home that I bow down to. I don't have a wooden statue in my house that I bow before or that I burn incense before. So therefore, I'm not an idolater. Let me, let me clue you in on another form of idolatry, which is very basic to all of those other things that I just mentioned, the marble statues and the wooden statues. Making a God in your own mind. Making your own God. When, when God's word says thus and so, and we say, but I don't think. <laughs> I know that God says, I, 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 I can cannot tell you how many times I've heard this, thousands of times coming from people. I know that the Bible says that, but, man, you just got yourself in big trouble. I know that God would have me to do this, but, I know that God wants me to forgive my sister, but you don't know what she did to me. Quite frankly, God doesn't really much care what she did to you when it comes to your forgiveness of that sin. I'm not saying that God doesn't care for you. I'm not saying that God doesn't care that you've been hurt. I'm just saying when it comes to forgiveness, does not compute. God says forgive. Amen? So idolatry can be just making up a God in your own mind that you think, you know, this is the way it is. How many people today if you're talking to them on the street or at work or whatever and you start talking about the Lord and, they, and you, you talk about heaven and hell and they say, oh, I don't believe in hell. Well, the scripture talks about hell. Well, I don't believe that. Well, just because you don't believe it didn't make it go away. I don't believe that the only way that people can go to heaven is through belief in Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference if you believe that or not. That's what the word of God says. I believe that Hindus and Buddhas and all of these other people, I believe that we're all going to just end up in heaven one day. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Now, either that's true or it's not true. Either you're willing to believe that completely and totally or you're not. But a lot of people in the world today say, well, I don't believe that. And, and that's where they get into trouble and that's where they have made a God in their own image. We've been made and created in the image of God, but people want to make and create 
the, ima uh, the image of man <laughs> uh, in their head. That's what God's like. Because this is what I think God's like. That's what he's like. Wrong. Witchcraft has to do with sorcery, casting of spells, and the use of drugs. We have that going on today. People just trying to numb their minds. And then there are people, even in the new agey uh, stuff that's going around today, talking about crystals, talking about spells, talking about uh, uh, charms and different things that people are using today. And in church, this is nothing new. All of those things go way back in time. And people in times past have used those very things. But God says in the last days, we'll also see an increase of this again. And we're seeing it. Amen. So Paul says, these are manifestations of the flesh. And then he talks about hatred, variance, which has to do with contention and strife, wrangling. Emulations has to do with jealousies. Why in the world Christian people should ever be jealous of another Christian is beyond me. Why should I ever be jealous over something that God has blessed your life with? I, I got to tell you, man, I, I've heard other preachers say it. I, I, it's crossed my mind. And, you know, you, you can have a tendency to get jealous because the, the guy down the church the street is growing like crazy and you're struggling like, you know, just trying to keep the doors open. And there are a lot of preachers that have confessed that same thing. But you know what? You got to put that thing underneath your feet and say, you know what? I'm not going to be jealous. I'm going to pray that God bless his church wherever in the world it is. It's the only way that you can overcome that. And so when a Christian brother or sister of yours gets blessed or their marriage is blessed, it's healthy, it's good, their kids are coming up underneath them and they're serving Christ. You can look at that and and have a jealousy rise up in your heart and say, well, I wish my family was like that. Come on, church. We got we to gotta identify these things for what they are. Wrath. Uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled anger. This is nothing but a work of the flesh. And you've got it, baby. And I've got it. And my wife can stand up and testify this morning, right now, how that anger rose up in me coming off of 275 this morning. And I'm waiting there at the red light. And a guy on his bicycle is coming up that bike path and he's sitting there waiting for the light to turn green. The light turned green and I sat there and let him come across that street and the guy behind me just laid on its horn ah! I grabbed the handle of my door she says where are you going I said I wasn't going to punch him I said but I was going to stand outside of my car and say don't you see this guy crossing the street I didn't do that church I was able to hold it back self control but the tendency is there. The temptation is always there. And some people, because of the lack of self-control, have followed through with that thing and they're in prison today. 
I said they're in prison today because they've taken something in their hand and they've hit somebody across the head and they killed somebody that they did not intend to kill. They were just mad as a hornet and wanted to let them know how mad they were. They're in prison, spending the rest of their life in jail today because of uncontrolled anger. This is a work of the, of the flesh. Strife, a desire to put oneself forward. Position. A lot of people want position and power. A lot of people want a title, and they're willing to step on other people to get there. You may have experienced that at your workplace. You may have experienced it even within the church. Seditions. Causing dissension or division. One of the things that God says he hates he hates those who cause division. Heresies, dissensions arising from diversity of opinions and aims. How many fights have begun in churches? Why do you think we have so many denominations that we have today? Thousands of them. Why? Because of differences within the church and people splitting off here and there, getting mad at each other. Amen. How many churches do you think Christ has in the earth? That's it. One. Only one. Envyings, verse 21, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Now we know what envyings, murderers, and drunkenness has to do with, but revelings, as I said probably a couple of weeks ago, it has to do with partying. It has to do with drinking parties, debauchery, getting sloshed. So he mentions all of these things, and then he says, and such like. In, in other words, hey, Church, this list could go on and on and on, is what Paul is saying. All of these things are manifest and they are known for what they are. They are works of the flesh. Works of the flesh. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past. This is a sobering, sobering statement that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are all things that an unconverted heart is given to. This is the practice of those who are not truly born again. In other words, they have no part in the kingdom of God. If people profess to be Christians and live like this, they are counterfeit Christians. I did not say that, church. I'm just reading and repeating what God's word says here. They have no part in the kingdom of God. That simply means they're not truly born again because everyone who's born again has part with the kingdom of God. There's only two kinds of people in this earth. 
Those who are born again and those who are not. Those who are believers and those who are not. Amen. So what should a Christian life look like? Now we're getting to verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the byproduct of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who have been apprehended by Christ are these. This is the fruit that will come forth from a life that is truly born again. Love. Love, the very first thing that is mentioned there is love. And God's kingdom is all about love. You know, we're, we're accused of being haters today because we'll speak out against sin. But if someone didn't speak out against my sin and, and reveal to me that I was living in sin, I would have never been saved. I would have never gotten convicted of the things that I was doing unless someone came and spoke the truth to me in love. And so we love people, therefore we speak to them. And if, if we're talking about something that the Bible calls sin, we cannot water it down. We have to stick with the word of God and we have to say sin is sin. Yes. But we're doing that so that that person might be redeemed from the quagmire that they're stuck in. Amen. So love is the fruit of the spirit. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. This is 1 Corinthians 13. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I'm just making a lot of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, it's not rude. Love is not rude. Say that with me. Love is not rude. Don't be rude. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Now, I got to tell you, I was not operating in love this morning at 275 and Ann Arbor Road. That was pretty obvious. If nobody else could see it, my dear wife could certainly see it. Which she said to me that I'm usually pretty calm. I am. I'm a nice guy. Most of the time. But church, I think that we can all relate to these things. Love does not, is not easily provoked, and it does not think evil. Man, when I am suspicious of you, and you've given me no reason to be suspicious of you, I'm thinking evil. I'm thinking evil. It's not good. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. 
When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity, love. The greatest principle of Christ's kingdom, love. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, so should you love others. Amen. The next thing, joy. This is another fruit of the Spirit. This is another thing that should come from our lives if we are Christian people, joy. Turn to your neighbor and smile real big as you say, joy. <laughs> Amen. Are you a joyful person? Ask yourself that. Am I a joyful person? Are you miserable? Are you grumpy? Are you displeased? Are you unpleasant to be around? It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes people even pride themselves in such activities. Shame on us if we call ourselves Christians. Peace. Peace is another byproduct of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Do you have peace in your life? Or are you full of confusion, discontent, unhappy about everything? I thank God that one of, one of the greatest wonderful things, yes, that love filled my heart when Jesus came into my heart. But the one thing that uh, stands out to me in my own conversion is the peace that Jesus gave to me upon my falling on my knees and raising my hands to him and asking him to come into my life and completely take over. I'm done doing that junk that caused me to just keep going around in a vicious circle. Peace that passes all understanding. Amen. And then long-suffering, patient. Or are you impatient? Are you snappy? Intolerant? Gentleness has to do with moral goodness and integrity. Goodness has to do with uprightness of heart and life. Faith, wow, another one, faith. And this is not so much that mountain-moving faith that we are praying that certain things are uh, happening and we're believing God for those. Uh, that, that's another kind of faith. But what it's talking about here is fidelity and faithfulness. Jesus asked the question, when the Son of God returns, will he find faith in the earth? He wasn't talking about mountain-moving faith. He was talking about fidelity. He's talking about loyalty. He's talking about integrity. Amen. Faithfulness. I would hope and pray that each of us have a prayer that God would see written across our foreheads or across our hearts. Faithful. He is faithful. She is faithful. Then meekness. And that's not weakness, church. God does not expect us to just be walked upon and trampled upon. Meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. Temperance, self-control, especially over sensual appetites. 
And we all have those. Paul said it's in us. There's where the struggle is. But if we'll be led of the Spirit, if we'll follow after the Spirit, if we'll hunger for the things of the Spirit, those things are not going to affect us and they're not going to bother us. He says, against such there is no law. There is therefore now no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. And I think that we all understand, and I've heard a few amens today uh, when I confess my own sins and my own faults before you, but I believe that we all understand that any of us can fall or fail in any of these areas of our life at any given moment and on any day. But if we do, we should repent as quickly as we can. Say before the Lord, dear God in heaven, I am sorry that I said those words. Lord, I am sorry that I reacted that way. Lord, forgive me for losing control of myself at that moment. These are sins. These are sins, and we need to identify them as sins, and we need to forsake them. I don't know about you, but I don't want any part of that first list that we read. I don't want anything to do with those character traits of those who do not know the Lord, those who are truly, not truly born again. I don't want that in my life. And I'm not even going to keep company with those who are of that nature. I'm going to say that again. I'm not even going to company with people who are of that nature. John Stott said this, and this is something that we should know and understand about those times when we miss the mark. John Stott, Stott is a theologian. He said this, sin and the child of God are incompatible. They may occasionally meet, but they cannot live together in harmony. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Someone can judge a Christian and say, oh, I saw, that, I saw that preacher turning the corner over there. I said to Mary, oh, maybe those people are going to come and visit the church today. You know, When we came up to the light, she said, no, they went the other way. I said, oh, hallelujah. It doesn't mean that we are so perfect that we never fail or never fall, but we do not practice those things in that first list of things that Paul was talking about. He said, the people who are practicing this on a daily basis, the people who are over and over repeating these same things, they're going after those things and not after the things of the Spirit. And those are the ones that he says have no part in the kingdom of God. Be careful. Be careful. Make sure that even if you slip on these things of the fruit of the Spirit, that you're quick to turn it around. I said that I don't even want to keep company with those who are of that nature. Why? Because they are contagious, folks. They are contagious. People who live like that and practice those things that are toxic, pretty soon that toxicity can come your way. Fill your heart and your mind. Be careful.
be careful. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 5, verse 9 says this. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, if God's word says not to company with fornicators, are you still going to go and do that? If you do, you're on slippery ground. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. The NIV says it this way. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I didn't say that. God's word says that. Now that's a place where a lot of times people will say, but she's my best friend. But he's my boyfriend. But I've known them all my life. And if you've known them to be a liar all your life, you need to break away. Because it's not doing you any good. Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25 says this, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Church, if that was a part of my nature, what, what I did this morning, if that was a part of what, if you saw that coming forth from my life constantly, you would be wise not to hang out with me. Yeah. If I, if I would be a person given towards that kind of a thing, you would be wise not to hang with me. Why? Because it's going to corrupt you. You hang out with an angry person, pretty soon you'll become just like them. You hang out with a liar, pretty soon you'll just be falling into those lies yourself. You hang out with fornicators, pretty soon you'll be finding yourself giving giving yourself over to sexual sins. That's what God says. Do you see any of those negative traits in your own life? This is the question today. Each and every one of us have to answer that question honestly within ourselves. We can say, oh, no, that's not me. Well, yeah, maybe I do slip up every now and then, like Pastor Pastor Mike said. But honestly, look and see how many of these negative characteristics or these traits might be trying to sneak into your life. Have you fallen short in your patience? Have you been jealous of other people? Have you been an instrument of strife in or out of the body of Christ? Ask yourself those questions. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter said this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God. Grow. How how can we grow in grace if grace was given to us when we received Christ? What does that mean to grow in grace? It means that you're not supposed to just stay where you are at that point in time. 
You're supposed to add to the spiritual things that God has brought to your life right there. Continue to add to that. Virtue and strength and goodness and fidelity and all of those things. Add to your spiritual life. How silly would it be to see a full-grown man in pull-ups Or to see a full-grown woman still sucking on a bottle. How ridiculous that would be. And how sad it is for Christian people to go on for years and years and years and not mature, not come along, not grow, not add anything to their spiritual life than from the day that they got saved. God help us. God help your church. God help those who are satisfied with where they are. Lord, may there be a divine dissatisfaction come over each and every one of us. May we all say, Lord, I'm I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy even with those few times that these things might pop up in my life. I'm not happy with that at all. I want to subdue that. I want to overcome that. I want to be so so caught up in your love and so enamored by your love that those things cannot even affect me any longer. That should be our prayer. Amen. I don't know if anything that was said here today has touched your heart or not, but I believe that this is a very serious message that God had me to bring to you today and that each and every one of us need to think and take each and every one of these things into consideration. Because God does not want me to stay the way I am today. God does not want you to stay the way you are today, but grow, grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow unto perfection, grow to a place of Uh, deep spirituality in your life, not just a facade, not just looking like you're spiritual, not looking like you're a Christian, acting like you're a Christian, going to the Christian gatherings, doing the Christian things, but truly being a Christian in your heart, truly being surrendered unto the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Because if we follow after the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We try to control and manipulate everything around us and people around us, and that's it's not really short of witchcraft, folks. It would be better if we present those things before the Lord in prayer and that we honestly seek the face of the Lord and that we allow him to move and that we allow him to open up doors for us that no man could open for us and that no man could shut before us. God can open it. That we leave it to the Lord, that we ask the Lord to lead and guide us in all our ways. That we ask the Lord to help us to guard our mouth Guard our mouth. 
Help us not to speak things that are displeasing to you, Lord. And I need your help in this. This should be our prayer, church. This should be what you're praying this morning. If there was any one little thing that I mentioned today that touched your heart, before we leave this building, we should take those things into consideration before the Lord right now. Say, dear God in heaven, I need help in this area. I have failed you in this area or that area. Help me now, Lord. Cleanse me. Purify me. Make me to be the man that you want me to be. Make me to be the woman that you want me to be. Help me to be the true Christian that you want me to be. Because without your help, I'm lost. Without your help, I'm hopeless. We need you, Lord.